Hello, and welcome to Cast Out, a podcast for Fox's The Exorcist. My name is Margo. And I'm Desiree. And we really love this show. We love this show so much. Can't even say it. <laughs> and um, we really want a season three. Yeah, we want a season three. Um, so bad. So much. And so we felt like maybe we needed to get on the hype train a little bit. Right. Because I love the show, and I feel like it's just now starting to come into its own. Like, I'm finally starting to see other people who are into it. But let's be real. Uh, this is a Fox show, so... We don't trust Fox very much. No, we, we've had our feelings hurt by Fox before. Sleepy Hollow. Ugh, Coffee. Yeah, it's such a shame that that got canceled after season one. <laughs> um, but the news <laughs> is that The Exorcist did not get canceled after season one. Yeah. It uh, got a season two, and hopefully it'll get a season three. And Fox so- execs. Yes, Pretty please. Please. Since, you know, you um, ruthlessly killed our other show. show. Uh, sidebar, yes, we know how many seasons there are, but also, no, there's only one season. <laughs> also, in fairness, any season with Nicole Harry counts, but uh, she season got, one is yeah, the real that, that's, that's really where I had my joy in. You know, I just love supernaturally themed shows. It's, yeah. Is I think the crux of the matter here, but I'm also picky about my supernaturally themed shows. Yeah, I feel like um, obviously both you and I are super fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, even though mm-hmm. I have a million and ten criticisms of Joss Whedon. Yes, and um, of the show itself, but I love it regardless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've watched Supernatural. I haven't. I watched Supernatural for about four seasons until I learned that they were not sticking to their original plan of five seasons, in which case I got bitter because I got into it with the, like, huge excitement. You know, I was a teenager at the time when I really started it, and uh-huh. I was like, I love the idea of a show with a planned arc, um, oh. which now in 2017, thinking How many of, seasons are there? Like, 13, uh, too, too many, and, and they just keep going. Look, I it, that kind of, like, continual going of, like, a show isn't so bad if you're an actual soap opera. Yeah. But maybe if you're not a soap opera, mm-hmm. there's sometimes... I don't know. There's just something if a show goes on too long and it... Maybe it's just that I'm 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 not a fan of the I, idea of supernatural. You know, I think, so I think what can I say? I know you think it's a ripoff of uh, Buffy with okay, without in, dudes. In my defense, or without women. when it first started coming out, all I could see, all I could tell from it was it was also a supernatural show like Buffy, mm-hmm. but it was dudes and no girls. And I was a little girl who, like, my whole thing was loving Buffy because it had a girl who mm-hmm. kicked butt. Now, I say all this, and now, like, earlier this week, though, there I saw the news coming out about the Supernatural spinoff, Wayward Sisters, and I'm so angry, because for all of the smack-talking I'm doing right now, I'm going to be there for that pilot. Oh, I didn't even know they kept women alive long enough to make a spinoff series about them. You know, I think the pickings were pretty slim, <laughs> from what I understand, but again, it's been, like... Oh my god, I feel like the last time I watched it, I was definitely still in college. Probably seven or eight years ago. Okay. So, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's been a couple minutes, but... It's um, been a hot minute. 
Or five. Yeah. So, anyway, all that to say that I think the genre is part of what really appealed to us about this show yeah. from the start. Yeah. Um, though I think more than the genre, we were originally sold on the characters. Yeah. Um, I want to say that we we had a friend, Asha, tell us that we should be watching this show because of the characters. Mm-hmm. The main characters. She, she called our number and she knew that, like, we're like, oh yeah, the it's about priests. Um, and exorcists and stuff. I mean, it was... And, and Should the, we be a little dynamic. more honest than that? Honestly, she told us there was, like, a gay priest situation. And we are like, we're here for team gay priest. Right, right. Um, technically, I think it's now bi. Technically, is what's been officially confirmed. But I'm still here for it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but... So, just so we know, like, yes, there is... There is LGBT representation here. Um, so we were sold on something that is legit. Um, so it was like a combination of the representation plus the, we love this thing, it's catnip. Yeah. 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 We love the, the ooky spooky supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also watching Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're a little bit behind, but we need to catch we, up. We need to catch up. Uh, but we are watching Lucifer and, um, I want to say we also like, in all honesty, we started the Exorcist TV show on the weekend of Halloween this year. Yes. So that we, was fun. That was super fun. Like, we mainlined it. I think while... Yeah. Because uh, Asha came and, you know, we went to the haunted house and we did, like, some other stuff. We, we did, like, a zombie shooting and event. And it was, like, Fall Out Boy, too. Yeah. We saw yeah. a Fall Out Boy concert. <laughs> it did was a zombie great. shooting event. And then we watched... Um, the first, what, three Six? episodes? Was, Six episodes of I The Exorcist like Season 1? Yeah, because yeah. it was like a weekend thing. Instead of doing anything uh, for like that entire morning, we just went, no, we went, we grabbed coffee, we ate breakfast, and then we And you were just, like, we are going to go back and watch The Exorcist. Yeah, I was, I was hyped. Um, I was very hyped. And I was hyped too. It was great. I think we, we, we ended up watching the ten episodes yeah. Within, like, the day or so. Yeah, we, or I two. mean, we finished it, like, our, our friend Asha had to go back, um, home and, like, get ready for her upcoming work week and all that, but we're roommates, we live together, so we just finished the rest of the series without season. her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the season, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it was the season. We eventually watched season two. All that to say, uh, it was a very rapid-paced entry into loving the show. <laughs> yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, so I think that, um, that, so that was a big deal. Like, that's how we got into yeah. it. Now, as for why we decided to podcast about it... Aside from the fact that we're afraid of Fox canceling our new favorite show... Aside from that point, seriously, Fox. Seriously. Listen, I, you and I have, have had so many of, like... Of our favorite new shows of whatever get canceled. We've ABC had Selfie. Selfie. ABC Selfie canceled. We had ABC Still Starcross canceled. Yeah. Um, are those just the only two I can think off of the top of my head? Yeah, those are the most recent ones. Yeah. I, I stopped trying to... Oh, Gallivant got canceled. Oh my god, right. Are all of those ABC... I... They might be. I know, I know. Starcross. Well, and Sleepy Hollow was became Fox. a mess. Yeah. Um... I don't know, we've had a lot of shows let us down. Yeah. But so far, so good on Exor- The Exorcist. Yeah, that's why we're doing this. We're just like, we're, we, listen, we can't let this go. 
I'm tired of losing good shows. I know, right? Um, so yeah, so besides all of that, all of that aside, yeah, uh, watching the show kind of got us talking on something that interests us both, which is theology. Theology, yeah, theology. Well, I mean, we're interested. We like the supernatural stories because we're interested in theology and stories, mm-hmm. um, folklore, myth making, yeah, um. Religion in general, I think we both have kind of interesting backgrounds. Yes. Uh, So just to kind of give a little bit of a recap, I am Christian, I was raised Christian, but I kind of have the gamut of different... Interesting. Very interesting denominational experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, some Baptist, some Catholic, uh, some Pentecostal, uh, some very questionable situations in my life. But I'm sure we'll unlock that backstory as we go. Yeah, it's going to be like a level up with you guys. I already know this story. Um, she does, yeah. But you guys have to earn that level of... <laughs> Suffice to say... Friendship, I guess. Yeah, there, there is some things of, like, my religious past just got a little weird for a while. Um, and then I kind of realized, hey, I'm kind of gay. Uh, this isn't working for me, and I don't like how it's working for other people either, so I kind of course corrected, and you know we're all good now. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I have that different experience, and um, but I st- even though I went through that, I retained the interest, the residual interest in the theological aspects. Of and you've definitely, everything. I mean, like in fairness, I would say that you've you've actually taken courses on studying, yes, like, it, like as part of my formal courses. Yeah. Part of my formal education did include some requisite, like Christian theology, Christian theology cor- courses, yeah. which was so funny because at the time I, I went to school at a very conservative Christian university, but all of the theology and the actual like practical reading of the Bible uh, was very sensible. <laughs> so it's yeah, very funny yeah. because you get like the academics and these like these really. Christian schools who are like, yeah, reading the Bible this way is really stupid. And then you get the people running the administration who are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> who couldn't, like... Who just can't... Uh, who can't? They have they, they just, have a, an agenda. They have an agenda. And the actual academics of dealing with something like a Bible... Just... Uh, it completely is outside of their capacity. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, my story is slightly different. Um, my mom's family is, Mm -hmm. um, Mexican Catholic. Uh, my mom's lapsed Catholic. So I have a lot of experience with that in some very weird ways in Mm -hmm. that, like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really grow up Catholic, but there was some Catholic culture permeating my life. Um, I'm Jewish personally. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm like, I officially converted, um, mm-hmm. to Judaism. That was what I decided what I wanted out of my life. And for some similar reasons, I think, but also many different reasons. And that's one of those things where you can't easily explain it in five seconds. So I won't try to, but suffice to say, I love being Jewish and wouldn't change it for anything. Um, 
Which is good, because you did, went through an awful lot of work <laughs> to change it in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think if you changed your mind, I would be looking at you like, that's I can't change my mind now. That It doesn't work that way. Right, I know. But if you tried, there I, there would be cause for an, 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 yeah. for an intervention. There, there, there would, would be. It's like if you started to say, yeah, I'm going to go to a messianic synagogue. Oui. I'd be like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like. Bitch, please. No. So. No. Um, <laughs> but <ugh>. anyway. <laughs> anyway, no, I go to a real Jewish synagogue with real Jews. <laughs> and not Christians. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah. I think to, all that to get to the point <laughs> of, you know, with this mind for our love of the supernatural stories and our love of theology, it was kind of invariable that we would want to bring those two together. Especially... So- Yes, invariable. invariable. Yes. Is that the right word here? I, you know, it is inevitable. Okay. I was like, what does invariable even you know mean? What? I worked <laughs> for like 10 hours today. I've been talking know, to I people know, all I day. Know, I know. Let me live. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I'm actually, was, <laughs> I'm also fried from work and I couldn't understand, like, I, like my brain just quit. I, I was like, I don't know what invariable means. I started panicking. There's no variation. Like, it's pretty on course for us. Like, okay. okay. So okay. anyway, um, <laughs> but it was pretty inevitable that we'd kind of end up talking because so much of these shows that, all of the shows that we just kind of mentioned, you know, The Exorcist and Supernatural. Even uh, Buffy. Even Buffy are all very reliant on Christian and oftentimes usually specifically Catholic imagery. Yeah. To round out their spiritual, you know, backbone of the I shows. mean, that's, that's their entire mythology. It yes. almost always functions mythology. on... Some sort of, yeah. <laughs> Mythology you. was the word you were looking for. Sorry Thank I didn't you. help you there. <laughs> See, uh, this, is, this is why it's like a, a pair, like the two of us in a podcast. Yeah, because someone has t- to throw you a lifeline at some point. Yeah, this would not work as a monologue. No. No, it would not. Actually, okay, no, it's probably no. better for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the mythology is usually um, Catholic with some weird, like, Protestant evangelical Flair, because mm-hmm. usually the people writing, you can kind of tell they're not actually Catholic themselves. Right. So it's like their concept of what Catholic is it's, in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's like Catholic light or like the Catholic aesthetic. It's Lutherans. <laughs> Sorry. Episcopalians? Episcopalians. Well, I don't know. That's pretty pretty specifically. No, that's... No, no I guess it is. That's yeah. Catholic light. Yeah, it Lutherans is. And, and Episcopalians are Catholic light. Everyone knows this. Yeah, it's true. They're like diet Catholics. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I say this, and I, I've been going to an Episcopal church, so... Yeah, I, it's, you it's know. funny. I, I go to synagogue on Friday nights, because mm-hmm. um, I don't wake up on time to go again in Saturday mornings, um, and I try to get you up for church on Sunday... <laughs> Listen, it's not <laughs> fair that so much of, like, Christian services on in the morning, like... They're all in the morning. It's Jewish bullshit. services know what's up, and the day starts at the nighttime. Yeah. Yes. See, because I'm, I'm a night owl, so this whole... Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. Anyway, um... And, and the only, like, churches that have night service seem to be, like... The really Weird. evangelical ones, oh, like the big mega ch- or the big mega churches. That's a fair synonym, in my humble opinion. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's not true. I'm sure there are some very not weird 
evangelical people. Um, you're making this face, like, maybe? <laughs> Not sure. You know. Listen, uh, I respect people's religions. I, 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 I respect, I, I feel like it's easier, um, we're gonna make fun of, like, Everybody? entities of religions <laughs> and everyone, I think, mm-hmm. in a little ways here and there, um, but we don't mean it in the, like, individualistic sense. Yeah. I, I mean, part of it, you have, like, usually I, mean, like, the structure or the organization. Yeah, or general trends, because, again, yeah. like I said, I, I just described to you all the different, like, places you've places been. Places I've been. Yeah. So, trust me, I have been an evangelical, and I am no longer an evangelical for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I kind of have to treat that with humor, otherwise I would just get really annoyed at everything. Everything. Yeah. So, I would prefer to be the comedian. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we, uh, those shows, these supernatural shows usually start off with some sort of vaguely Christian or vaguely Catholic Christian, specifically. They're not mm-hmm. different things. Catholics are Christian, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of people stick with Catholicism specifically, and I'm going to say this, it's going to sound glib, mm-hmm. but I'm not being glib. Okay. I'm being totally serious. Okay. It's because Catholicism is sexy. And, Explain. And that's 100%. Okay, um, so you know how when we say something's puritanical? Mm-hmm. It's like Puritans are a type of Protestants that existed, right? And yeah. their whole thing was like these, the, like the whole Protestant Reformation is just sort of this very strong reaction to what Catholicism was like. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying that the Catholic Church wasn't corrupt at the time of the Reformation. It totally was. But um, there was definitely a lot more frank attitudes about things like sex. And there was a lot more bluntness and in-your-faceness about certain things. And I think Protestantism and especially evangelism in America in general, has lost a lot of, like, that mystique. Mm. Um, basically, like, it's scary when you go and you see a crucifix with, like, a dude, like, nails to it, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's terrifying, and it's, like, the, the idea, the concept of, like, what we feel in our bones is this sort of gothic genre, and I don't mm. mean gothic architecture per se, but it kind of funnels into it later. The idea of, like, this gothic, spooky, or scary horror is all very Catholic. Yeah. It's all tied into Catholicism. It's all tied into, like, the sexiness and the scariness and all of it happening at once. Yeah. Like, Jesus is looking sexy out there and his... No, really, they they try to make him look all fancy and they paint him and sometimes they paint his erection and I'm not kidding about that at all. Art historian. Art historian here. Victories. um, Dick trees did happen in medieval manuscripts, but no, seriously, there is a specific type of um, Catholic imagery that happens, like, medieval mm-hmm. Renaissance period, um, where, I think it's called, like, the Man of Sorrows um, archetype, and Jesus is usually, like, being nailed to the cross or something, but you can also see his rock-hard boner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, 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 and here's the thing. This was, like, 100% seriously done. Yeah. Um, because that erection proved that he was a real man of flesh and blood. Yes. And which it is wasn't just, just bizarrely it, fascinating, right? Yeah, that, that was considered the, the thing. It, I, I, yeah, I yeah. It's so interesting, too, like, in context of, I, I don't know if you remember what 
I'm sure you remember, like, yeah. Dan Brown and, what was oh the book called? God. The Da Vinci Code. And, and like, Brown. completely ignoring how terrible that book was and, like, And how he got every single fact wrong. Yes, but why it was such a big deal, you know, the idea of to Jesus see- having a child is, like, so much of, I think, the Puritanical or Protestant has moved away from the idea of Jesus ever being that human. The idea that, as a human, uh-huh. he probably had human sexual urges yeah. of some sort along the way. And I, I'm I'm not too hotly versed on what Catholics actually think about Jesus' mm-hmm. sex life. I'm pretty sure they think he didn't have one mm-hmm. out of, like, a decided choice to, yeah. like, not follow those urges. I don't mm-hmm. really know. I didn't really ever go to Sunday school. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, like, but, the uh, general the general consensus across theology is, you know, Jesus didn't have a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's certainly not mentioned in scripture that he was boning anybody. Uh, <laughs> unless you read, um, what was it, the, the Testament of Biff or something? Lamb. It was called, okay. there's this book called Lamb where they, like, write, like, a whole story about how Jesus, like, fucks off to nowhere and goes and meets the Buddha and also bangs a bunch of people and yeah. And there's also that Monty Python movie. I, does he have a kid in that? I don't remember. I don't remember. Probably not. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> so I, I guess what I'm saying <laughs> is, is that Catholicism has always given us our, our sexy hellfire and damnation. Right. The interesting stuff, the like images of tortured saints and their bodies being mutilated and mm-hmm. being and, naked and all kinds of craziness. Yeah, and then also just with the priesthood and yeah. being a nun, like, the this whole concept of joining uh, an order to, you to know... To marry God. To marry God and the, the bride of Christ and People how... People take that shit literally. Yes, they do. They do. Um, and I'm... You know, some of that stuff, I think, does play out in evangelical and Protestant ways. Some, like, but, yeah. but not to the gr- degree no. that is associated with the forbiddenness of being a priest or nun and, you yeah. know, how it gets sexualized in more secular contexts. Yeah, and I, I feel like a lot of what I'm mentioning right now in terms of, like, how sexy Catholicism is, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, like, I'm using air quotes as yeah. sexy, um, as, as to mean appealing or mysterious or exotic, but, uh, a lot of what I'm talking about is stuff that showed up a lot in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance and then gets sort of, uh, made into this, like, repackaged, commercialized thing in the Victorian era, and that's Mm -hmm. when you get, like, the gothic movement, um, but today I I don't think a lot of this is the same. Mm Mm-hmm. So when I say something like, yeah, people took, like, being the Bride of Christ seriously, I'm referring to, like, in, like, the Vatican City? No, in Rome, sorry. In Rome, there's, like, Bernini statues. There's at least two nun statues where these nuns are having holy ecstasy moments, and they're clearly orgasming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all it, I mean, that's all it is. And it's so yeah. weird to look at it and go, yeah, that's in a church. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's right there, right yeah. in front of your faces in a church and yep. she's definitely getting off because of jesus you know good for her good for her <laughs> right like i don't know apparently he can find the clit and the g-spot the g is for god so please oh no no why or for glory no 
get back from the bunny trail of sexy church. So all of this kind of got us on the topic of, so this Christian slash Catholic perspective is so defaulted in all of these narratives in this particular subgenre. Mm-hmm. How do we, or how could other perspectives and other faiths and religions be included in these adaptations? Yeah. Do they, I mean, do they honestly even exist in the universe? And sometimes yeah. it, it feels like the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when it doesn't feel like the answer is no, it feels half-assed. Oh, it feels, yeah, I guess it feels half-assed. It doesn't really even feel like a quarter-assed. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Willow is Jewish, and a couple of times she mentions she celebrates Hanukkah, and she's not Santa, she's Jewish, hello. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of the time, too, when, you know, Angel is an- Angelus. Uh-huh. Like, she has to, like, put a cross on her wall. She's like, oh, I hope my parents don't notice Don't see this. Because then they're going to be really concerned. And then it's like, well... Why, why isn't there a Jewish equivalent of the cross that would have an equal... There totally is, because the, the Magen David, the, the Star of David, is a shield. Yeah. Like, if you can't put a shield up to protect you in the universe, then what's the point? Now, I would argue, and I'll probably get to expand on this a whole lot more. Me and my rabbi have talked about this, because my rabbi's a total nerd, and I adore it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about whether or not well, and to how much extent the idea of vampires and vampire mythology is actually part of um, blood libel Ooh. in um, anti-Semitic blood libel against Jewish people. Yeah, because well, um, of like sucking blood and stuff. Well, we'll get back to that because that's <laughs> part of why I think the whole it has to be a crucifix thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why can't Willow put up a Star of David, which is a shield? Mm-hmm. You would think that that would be useful. You would think. I you mean, would think. especially given the context of, you know, everything that Christianity is supposed to be allegedly, you know. Yeah. So it would make sense. Here's a, here's a thing that I would I would claim, and maybe I'll eventually decide I'm wrong on this, but okay. I would say that in a lot of these supernatural genre stories, mm-hmm. um. God is dead, but God is Christian. Mm. That makes sense. Because, like, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we never... There is no God. Yeah, it's never something really discussed. There are the powers that be. Yes, That get mentioned true. in Angel. There are other, like, deities. Yeah. Um, we get glory. That's true. So, She's a deity. Which is... It's a different kind of God, almost. Yeah. That's, that's But discussed. then, why on earth does mm-hmm. Christianity and Christian symbolism work? I think, too, I mean, because I'm thinking, you know, the power of Christ compels mm-hmm. you. So it's the assumption that it's Christ specifically having this sort of power and his authority that's being called okay. on for the sacred. And that would also be why the 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 cross or crucifix gets defaulted to. Yeah, because if you're assuming that all of the power to exorcise is based on Christ's power, mm-hmm. assumed power, mm-hmm. then... That's why you would keep referencing that. Yeah, I, I like I said, I could buy that. But yeah. then again, you have the problem of how do you deal with the fact that Judaism exists and mm-hmm. Jesus was Jewish. Jewish, right? Exactly. Like if 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 Jesus exists mm-hmm. and he has this power in any given supernatural genre universe, then 
the assumption that nothing else but a cross or crucifix crucifix would work Mm -hmm. in any of these kind of scenarios is like a protection Mm -hmm. but not like any jewish symbolism that's kind of a problem because that's very like have uh, you ever sorry oh go finish your thought no i was gonna say it's very uh i'm forgetting the word for it but it's the replation the replation the (laughs) replation there's the supersessionism yeah it's very supersessionist in that like mm, god does exist and he gave us Jesus, and Jesus was Jewish, but now he doesn't care about the Jewish people. Ugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in in a world where Jesus has some kind of power that you can mm-hmm. hearken upon, mm-hmm. the automatic assumption should be, in my mind, that Jewish people also have something because we are, you know, it's the same quote-unquote God. However yeah. you want to, like, mess around with that theologically, there's a lot of yeah. arguments to be had, but it... There is supposedly Christians claiming that it's sort of a, a branch off. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? And yes, it did become its own religion, completely separate, but there's... A, there's a The place where Jesus should be getting his power should be the same guy who's like, the Jews, those are my chosen people. Yes. So, yeah. I agree. Just sidebar mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think is if I have ever seen in like an, in like an exorcism sort of type situation an actual crucifix with actual, like, Jesus still on the cross, or if they're all just, It's in The Exorcist. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Father Marcus. That's right. Okay. Father Marcus will use a a crucifix. Okay, perfect. Well, that's actually a perfect... How many exorcism... Like, I know... Okay, I know, and I think you'll say this again later, I know you Mm -hmm. haven't seen The Exorcist film. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any other exorcism-type films? Probably, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay. I want to say that the crucifix does get used by a lot of other okay. people. I, you know, it's been a while. I don't make it a habit of watching a lot of horror movies. <laughs> I love supernatural TV shows. Um, yeah. I'm less hip to, like, scary, scary stuff, just for the sake of being scary. That's fair. But anyway, uh, so speaking of Father Marcus, I kind of want to actually get into The Exorcist now. Okay. Um, so I thought... It might be good to kind of start off with a brief summary of the show. Yeah. Um, Give us a summary and the tagline. Yes. So the tagline is that every soul is a battlefield. Nice. Nice. Uh, It's a great conflict battle against forces of evil. Dun, dun, dun. Scary evil. Scary evil. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So pulling this from IMDb, uh, there is follows three priests dealing with cases of a demonic presence targeting a family and a foster home. Um, There's also a second summary provided. Angela is plagued by increasingly frightening nightmares. Her husband is slowly losing his mind. Her older daughter spends her time locked in her room, and her youngest daughter hears strange noises from inside the walls. Two priests are brought together as all their fates become entangled in a battle against an ancient force of evil. That first summary you read was for season two. With was the foster it? home. Yeah. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> well. It's okay. I, it I, is what it is. It is what it is. It's fine. Now Surprise, people, there's a season two. <laughs> there, there's a season two. It involves foster home. That gives away pretty much literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, John Cho is in it. Yeah. John Cho of my heart of the other two canceled shows that we I mentioned. Know, right? Uh, Someone, okay, can I just say, I know we're not, this is not really a spoiler for season two, but I need to say it. 
and I need to mention it now before I forget. Someone okay. saw the fact that John Cho was an amazing rom-com star in Selfie, and someone yes. saw the fact that John Cho was an amazing horror, like, Character. actor yeah. in Sleepy Hollow, and said, yes. I can combine these things and then cast him in season two of The Exorcist. It's and so I true. love it. It works so well, doesn't it? Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, sorry, that's <laughs> much further down the line. Yeah, so I think just having reread this summary right now, it really brings to mind, though, as we as we mentioned, like we were sold on the basis of the priest characters, but what really surprised me about this season was mm-hmm. how much I cared about the family affected by the demon. Oh yeah. Like, it just became such a backbone mm-hmm. and a source of my love for this show, is how much I cared about this family. Yeah, and I, I think, um, it's funny, I actually called my Nana, um, the other day, uh, this is gonna sound confusing, so my paternal grandmother recently passed of cancer, mm-hmm. um, and I called my maternal Nana, mm-hmm. um, and I talked with her about it a little bit, and she wanted to check in on me and, and all that, and I, I expected my other grandmother to pass, um, because she was ill, but, uh, we, we had a conversation, we started talking about TV shows, and I brought up The Exorcist. Oh, no. And it, no, 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 <laughs> she no, oh, no, she liked I, it? well, I don't know, I, she hasn't seen it yet, but I told her about it, and I was like, well, maybe you won't like it because it's a little scary and, 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 that, and that kind of thing. And then I was like, wait a second, you watched The Walking Dead, didn't you? And she's like, I watched The Walking Dead. I'm not watching it anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> goodness. Like, what? She's like, I liked it when it was character-driven and it really focused on the – and she just had, all, like, all these opinions. And I'm like, She's oh, going to yeah. love this show. I know. That's what I told her. I was like, it's Catholic. You're going to love this show. It's character-driven. Yes, it's scary, but you'll like it. Yes. So um, I told her when it was and what channel it was on, so maybe she'll watch it. That would be so exciting. And then maybe my See, nana will, like, come back and be like, I love the priests. That would be so great. See, I told my mom about this show, and she just kind of was like, you watch that stuff around me, I'll just want to shoot the TV. And I was like, okay, Please never watch this with me. That's too violent. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I was like, you need to chill. I want my Nana to watch this show because I want her to go, well, Father Tomas is like the priest at our church but with hair. (laughs) Because he, like, okay, like, there was, like, a relatively new, he's not new Mm -hmm. anymore. He's Mm -hmm. been there a couple years at this point. But there was a relatively new priest at my grandparents' church. um, And he was a young thing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, He's also Mexican, just because of the area and who we are and the neighborhood and whatnot. Um, very handsome. Very, very handsome. See? But he's a priest, and so they're, like, all the, like, ladies who are, like, you know, much older and married and have kids and all that. They're kind of, you know, they're making these little jokes, like, oh, but, you know, he's, they, he's so pretty. He's a pretty-faced They're thing. saying that they, too, want to be the bride of Christ. You know, you know, have some ecstasy. No, I mean, that's not what my nan is saying. She said, you know, he has a pretty baby face kind of thing. But um, but that's not what the other ladies are thinking. I don't know, maybe. Some of my great aunts, maybe. <laughs> I've seen them flirt with people much younger. Yes. It's kind of funny. Cougars. Cougars. Um, no, uh, uh, no, I, I just, it, it's so funny because Father Tomas, like, immediately reminded me of this guy. And I think they make jokes some at some point, maybe not in episode one, but they definitely do joke about the fact that his he's very pretty and young mm-hmm. and you know has good hair and all that stuff. 
so. Which is very appropriate for Father Tomas. He's great at it. Yeah, yeah. he does. <laughs> okay, so uh, chapter one, episode one, the pilot. The title is, And Let My Cry Come Unto Thee. We did a little research. It is a reference to Psalm 102. Yeah. Uh, this They specifically used the King James Version. Which is a terrible translation. And it's not even the Catholic one. No. But I guess they were going for aesthetic and not ac- accuracy. No, that's bullshit. They're not even going for aesthetic because the King James Bible translation is possibly the worst aesthetically speaking. It is, but... It's just so ingrained in That's what I'm saying is like people write about Catholicism not as Catholics but as people who have a concept of Catholicism. Which is interesting on its own. Yes. Um and I mean I just had kinda wanna um I got pulled the I think it's the NIV, which is an okay translation. Yeah. Um I just wanna quote like the first couple of scri- scriptures, you know. The first Scripps. couple of scriptures. Scriptures. Verses, you mean? Thank you. Verses? Verses. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. You're trying to say scripturals, but that's not the right word either. Yeah, so. I know it's not. <laughs> verses? Yeah, the first couple of verses of this, you know, hear my prayer, Lord, let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call, answer me quickly, for my days vanish like smoke. And my bones burn like glowing embers. Well, that's those are the first I think three verses. Yeah, I go, it keeps going on like all the terrible things that are happening yeah. and why he's asking for help. The psalmist is ask, asking for help, but uh, yeah. I think that kind of captures the basics. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which I mean sets us up for a really good mood. I yeah. think um, one of the things that. I know we discussed doing, but that I'm not going to do right now because I don't have the book. It's over there. Uh, (laughs) On the other side of this room. On the other side of this room, and I don't want to walk and disturb my cats in their sleep and being adorable and being harmonious with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, I think what we're going to try to do is if we find, like, specific scriptural references uh, going forward, we're going to try to see if we can look up different translations you mm-hmm. might read like a uh, either like a standard academic translation mm-hmm. that's used or a specific catholic approved translation to see mm-hmm. if it talks about catholicism and then i'll try to find if there is a corresponding verse i will find it in the copy of the tanakh i'll mm-hmm. probably be using my uh jewish study bible by jpx but i also have a different translation that's really good too I should, uh, I'll dig up my resources yeah. and figure something out. The yeah. women's Bible translation has a whole gamut of, of stuff. your experience and my experience. Yeah, it'll be such, fun. Such a wide gamut. Uh, but yeah, uh, but I think altogether, it's not the best title, but I think it's very appropriate. Ain't nobody gonna love me like the devil do. Ain't nobody gonna love me like the devil do. Well, you can dump me in a river, gonna clean my sin, but you might as well dump me in a bucket of gin, cause I ain't nobody gonna love me like the devil do. starts off as clearly non-American, uh, uh I'm sorry, okay. I, my family's from Tucson. 
okay, it could be. It could be an American, <laughs> like, barrio, like, who knows? It could be, but it's, 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 it's clearly a poor town. Yeah. Um, and run down, and I think it was what, like, you see this man walking through and at the well. Yeah, I don't think you see the face of this, this figure at first. No. But it's definitely eerie. And they're screaming in the background as he gets water. And dogs barking. And dogs barking. Which becomes important later. It does. Yes. Um, that's going to be a motif is that we, we will focus on, on that. The, um, how animals behave. In yeah. The, and the I think most people have heard of that being yeah, just like related. An yeah. Yeah. Just like an earthquake. If something bad happens, the animals are going to be like alert, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and before we go any further, I just want to like confirm, um, we're not going to give any spoilers for any further episodes. Right. But we're going to be talking about everything that happens in this episode. So if you haven't seen episode one, season one of The Exorcist on Fox, mm-hmm. pause right now, go watch it, and then come back. Unless you're just watch- listening to this to decide whether or not you want to watch it. Which in which case, case, let us spoil you. It'll yeah. be fine. I mean, I know I personally love spoilers sometimes, and sometimes I don't, but I'm yeah. all for it. No judgment here. Um... And, um, anyway, so, and then, of course, what we were both laughing about is, like, after this, like, really creepy opening with the screaming, we get the title text. Oh, the title text is so great. It's very, it's old school, the Exorcist yeah, title like text. creepy red text. I'm pretty sure it's the only time it features. Yeah, it's the only time it features, I think, mm-hmm. um, because we get a different title opening every single other episode. Yeah. But I love it. It's yeah. so much fun. I it might be the original movie title. Card. I, that's I'm kind of what positive. I'm assuming. So confession, I personally have not actually seen The Exorcist the movie. Uh, we plan to watch it later later on. Uh, yeah, but we we'll will insert tell you it when. in. Yeah, it, it'll be at a, a later time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I am definitely watching this without the actual background of the movie, which um, is great. Which is great, though. But you know, this this is such a great show because it really stands on its own. It's not very reliant on the on the uh, original movie, but y- you get you can get into it without knowing The Exorcist. Is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Uh, then we go to a different poor neighborhood and focus in on a rundown church in that neighborhood. Yeah. And there is... They're listening to a sermon. Yeah, they're listening to um, Father Tomas. Ortega. Yeah. Um, and he is giving a sermon about Peter and Jesus mm-hmm. um, and Peter walking on the water. Right. And then kind of being full of himself about it. I think that's, yeah. it's a very interesting... Um, I, I've always liked listening to religious, um, speeches. Okay. Yeah. Um, not all of them, obviously, but a good one is very interesting. Um, so like a sermon or, um, Judaism, you have like a drash, um, Mm -hmm. um, which is like a, it's literally just talking about something. Right. Um, cause the word is like the word literally. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I think they're interesting to listen to, and I think they're interesting to hear. And it also reveals something about the speaker mm-hmm. um, by necessity. I think yes. it, it reveals something about why they chose to focus on what they chose on and what it means. And I think narratively, this particular sermon sort of frames up who Thomas Thomas is, mm-hmm. um, why he is 
that way, what, what this whole season has in store for him. Right. Cause a lot of it too is like, you know, he's talking about Peter, you know, originally stepping out on from the boat onto the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, you know, he makes a reference, I think to like Looney Tunes, like what happens to the Roadrunner? Oh yeah. You his, know? his nephew is there. Just like, Mind it. It's super cute. Uh, cause you know, in, in during the sermon, uh, you were also seeing who's in the, in the pews, but we'll, I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Once we're done talking about the sermon. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, you get the sense that Father Tomas is a very personable and very charismatic, but he's so focused on, he, te- he keeps talking about, oh, it's okay to doubt, but you still have to step out. It's kind yeah, of uh, and he also he also says, um, what, I, what I wrote down is that he talks about the fact that it's okay to have doubts, but mm-hmm. sometimes God gives you a job. Yes. Or a role, and you have to complete it. And if you have this doubt that makes you fall, like, you still have that job. Yes. So um, you keep have to pushing on anyway. Which I think is, of course, it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, foreshadowing. It's super interesting foreshadowing. It's super heavy-handed. His name is Tomas. Yeah, Doubting Tomas. Yeah, Doubting doubting Thomas is, is where that comes from. Um, mm-hmm. As Thomas is, what, the only apostle who doubts that yeah, he needed Jesus to, was supposedly he needed, resurrected. Yeah, he had to put his fingers through the, the holes caused by the crucifixion. Yeah, to, to super really homoerotic. <laughs> I'm saying that 100%. I'm not saying that to be, um, what's the word? Um, I'm not saying that to make fun. Glib. I'm not saying that to be glib. Mm-hmm. That's an actual thing that shows up in art history, and I've studied this. Uh the side wounds of Christ in medieval and Renaissance art in particular is mm-hmm. very eroticized. Yeah. Uh, so that's, um, <laughs he, he is literally it. fingering the, the Jesus. The holes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that, that's the, <laughs> moving onward. But we also, no, no, that's, that's a great It's important. It is. You I, need I, to know. I know. I, I, I super appreciate your contribution. Thank you. You're welcome. And anyway, we start to also kind of meet his congregation, which is, it's not a well-attended church, um, no. but it has, most notably it has, you know, Luis, his nephew, and then also it has this other family that are sitting in the pews. Mm-hmm. Um, and most notably there's this man who seems a little strange, you know, he's not quite paying attention. He looks like he doesn't quite, he, isn't quite aware of his, his surroundings. He plays with a statue, Mary? a little figure of, of... Uh, the Virgin. Yeah, the Mary. Virgin. And he's like showing and it's it all to white. kids. To, to yeah, he's kind of playing around. Yeah, to the kids. And, you know, it looks like his his wife has to draw his attention back. Um, I mean, I think you can easily... I, I think it, when I first started watching this episode, I immediately assumed he had Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's really too much in this episode to convince you otherwise. Yeah. It, it's it's clear he's got some dementia sort of, and, yeah. and isn't... Memory problems. Memory problems. And he's not fully cognizant of what's going on around him all the time. Yeah. Um, which is... And, and you later, like, after the service, Tomas talks to his wife, who we learn is Angela, and what, and his daughter, Casey. Um, and we mm-hmm. learn that this is a fairly recent development. Yeah, within, like, the last year or so. Um mm-hmm. Tomas is talking to Angela, but he also continually gets distracted by this mysterious figure standing yes. um, 
Across the street? Across the street and or, like, at the, on the corner? Like, he's, first he's yeah. across the street, and, and then, then he gets closer. Closer yeah. while he's talking, and he keeps getting distracted, and this man is, like, yelling, but you never really hear what Yeah, he's, he's saying something. He's mouthing words, but you don't know what he's saying. Yeah, and he just... Um, and it's very unsettling. Yeah, because he does not look like a trustworthy person, we'll say. I, I was going to say he looks like he's homeless, but yeah, maybe that's, that's not a good back-to-back I, I don't uh, know, description. <laughs> Well, he, he, he doesn't look, he doesn't, he does not look like he belongs in the area and yeah. I mean, he might belong there, but he doesn't look like someone you'd want approaching you. At, right. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, but eventually though, like he looks back again and the, the homeless man disappears. Yeah. And then we follow the Rance family home, Angela and Henry Rance. I was going to say really quick, um, mm-hmm. we are introduced to the fact that there is another sister. Yes. Um, and her name is Kat, but we do not meet Kat in this instance. No. Um, and we won't meet her for a little bit longer in the episode. Mm-hmm. Because, it, and I, I think it's interesting to know that you don't meet her right away. Right, right. They they do mention that um, she just got a cast off, so something recently happened to her. Yeah, there was an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we do follow them home, see a little bit of the interactions, you know, normal interactions between the rants before we then follow Tomas home to his yes. apartment. Yeah. And he clearly does not get paid well. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he's, what, if he's already taken his vows in, mm-hmm. in Catholicism, that means a vow of poverty. Right. If he's got, if he's got orders, basically, if yeah. he takes vows with an order specifically and is more than just, um... What's the word? Like a, like a, there's a, there's a different, there's levels of like clergy and Catholicism and mm-hmm. I'm not super well up to date on that cause mm-hmm. I left that religion. Yeah. <laughs> but there is, there's like a, a baseline sort of of where you end up and then mm-hmm. after a while you take your vows into a specific order. Yeah. Um, and that's usually when you have to take your vow of poverty, I think. Yeah. So I'm sure he's got a vow of poverty. Mm-hmm. He lives in the neighborhood where his church and area is yes. um his parish and i'm i'm sure that i mean you can kind of tell it's everything outside is kind of noisy and there's mm-hmm. lots of street like noise the and, trains passing yeah, yeah it rattles the apartment yeah um his nephew sleep is asleep on the couch yeah you know watching cartoons yeah uh, and, and while he's, I guess he babysits his nephew yeah, while, while his sister works, his yeah. older sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, while he's babysitting, he's looking at this letter, uh, yep. from someone named, was it Jess or Jessica Ridmark? Jessica Ridmark. Um, and he's looking at this when his sister comes back from work to... No, he puts it back down. Oh, he does? She okay. sees it when she comes in. She yeah. comes back in from her so, job. Mm-hmm. Um, and she picks it up and she looks at it. She says, you know, why are you getting letters from Jessica? And he kind of tries to blow it off like, oh, we're friends. friends. And she's and like, for- she's married. Yeah, so married people can't have friends? Is literally what he says. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, um, it's really funny because his sister is just like, you know, the people who write letters are the kind of people who don't want to get caught. Yep. Yep, that's exactly what I wrote down, too. <laughs> and it, it's uh, it's very much a call-out. So we've got something very interesting and loaded within Thomas's past already right. so from the get. 
from the get-go, we know that he's got something that could compromise him, maybe. And, and yeah, and he's being defensive about the fact that he still wants to be a priest. She's like, you know, you don't have to do this. Like, mm-hmm. Abuelita's gone. Like, yes. you don't have to keep going with this. Uh-huh. If you don't want to be a priest, don't be a priest. And he's like, I want to be a priest. This is, right. I, I have a calling. Like, mm-hmm. he's very defensive about this. And very protective of the fact that he's doing his what he says he wants to do or what he, he his job is. I think yeah. which kinda goes back to what we were talking about earlier already. Is if, is if you feel God has given you a job, then you have to do it. Exactly. And yeah. I think it's very specifically a job. Um and so then after that we switch back to uh We switch back to Father Marcus mm-hmm. and we meet Bennett. Met Bennett. I love Bennett <laughs> so much. Father Bennett is a fantastic character. He's mm-hmm. supposed. I mean, we don't really get to know too much about him right now, except mm-hmm. that he's very serious. He's he from takes, Rome. He's from Rome. He takes his job very seriously. Yes, and he is coming to find Father Marcus, uh, who who is the figure that we discussed earlier. You know, at the well, and we're kind of, I think, uh, jumping a little ahead with his name, but um, or maybe yeah. he gets revealed in this scene. No, but, he does. Yeah, but long story short, he's been apparently uh, missing in action, not responding to any contact for 26 days. So Father Bennett literally came from Rome to track him down and try and put a stop to the exorcism, exorcism that he's trying to uh, complete right now. Yeah. Yep. Um, and... You know, Father Marcus is very adamant that he complete this exorcism. Father Bennett tries to convince, like, well, we need to take this person. I I was going to say, yeah, uh, he says, he goes in to see Mm -hmm. the person that they're doing the exorcism on. Yeah. And um, that's when he says, we need to take him to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a child, we need to take him to the hospital. And Marcus says, no. No. He references a past exorcism, I think, in, like, Haiti or something, where yeah, there was someone a, got there hanged. Was, someone gets, uh, a little girl gets hanged in Haiti because um, of the locals being afraid. Mm-hmm. And because the church refused the to complete the exorcism. Yeah. Uh, so he... Let's unpack that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, kind of one of the more dubious, like, offhand decisions... Maybe? No, I don't know that it's necessarily... Here's the thing, right? So I think a lot of this is critical of the Catholic Church as an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's a fine line in how you criticize that and how you talk about uh, exorcisms in general. Because obviously most people... uh, with I think it was within Vatican II they came out with the updated version of the rites of exorcism. Okay. Which is... I mean, it's... Very recent in terms of, like, updating how exorcisms happen. They did it in, like, the 1400s, and it stayed that way until very, very recently. Okay. You know, within the last century, basically. Okay. Um, and, and then the latest version of, like, getting an exorcism, you do have to consult, like, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. You do have to consult medical doctors first. Okay. You have to go through, like, a chain... A procedure. A a procedure, a bunch of other medical or psychological experts first, and then once you've ruled everything else out, only then can you be granted an exorcism. Right. Uh, So I think that actually plays into the fact that, like, Marcus is... uh, Or Bennett. Bennett is saying to Marcus, like, you know, we haven't really approved this. Uh, He's like, you're not following procedure. Yes. Um, 
Bennett said, uh, no, Marcus says to Bennett that, you know, it's not, it's your procedure, it's not my procedure. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things um, that is inherent there is that there is this new sort of rite of exorcism that's happening that actually got invented because a girl ended up dying during the process of... In, like, real life? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, There's a story... I'll I'll research it. I'll tell it next next time time. because it's fascinating. It's absolutely amazing, and I know my favorite murder covered it, and a lot of my favorite crime, like true crime podcasts, cover this exorcism, and it's it's bad. Yeah. Um. She ends up dying, Mm -hmm. Uh, and after that, the church was kind of like, all right, we need to to update this a little bit, just a little bit. Um. So I think it's interesting that they say like these. I think it was one or two girls who died mm-hmm. on Haiti mm-hmm. um, because the church didn't grant an exorcism mm-hmm. because supposedly the locals were terrified or thought there was something wrong with them, and so they took it into their own hands. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure how I feel about that in the aspect of, like, characterizing Haitians mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot there that I'm not really as familiar with with regards to, like, Haiti's catholic syncretism mm. with their own like cultural practices yeah, and like voodoo and and all that kind of stuff I, I know a little bit about it but not enough to like say that that was a good mm-hmm. or bad thing to throw in for two or three seconds yeah just that it was interesting that they brought it up yeah and i think mostly what it's there for is to establish the dichotomy between bennett who is you know very straight laced he's representing the rules yeah he's following the rules he represents that aspect of the church where he's trying to bring marcus in the line and marcus is perceived as a loose cannon at this point of time where he's kind of acting on his own mm-hmm. and i think he literally draws a gun on bennett when yeah, he, he does yeah he like bennett tries to go get this kid out and just take him to the hospital because fuck you marcus uh but marcus says uh and pulls out a gun on him yeah. um and i think you know he, bennett warns him that there are going to be potential consequences yeah um i wrote i wrote down um that bennett tells marcus rome will not forgive this Mm -hmm. and i wrote down the it's not their forgiveness that i seek so i think that's interesting (laughs) of course um such a great character establishment it is it is a great character establishment scene Mm -hmm. it's also a good way to establish the fact that marcus is a loose cannon he's Mm -hmm. not necessarily acting in the best interests of anyone Mm -hmm. um and he's clearly made it he's made it clear to Bennett that he follows his own rules right and to him his own rules are the rules set out by God right and everything else is human Mm -hmm. um and so he's willing to override human law in favor of what he thinks God actually wants which is very dangerous very dangerous indeed and I think there's definitely a little bit of pride there too because he's a very well-known we we develop this later that he's a well-known and and powerful uh, by reputation, exorcist, and, you know, it kind of feels like it's gone to his head a little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we immediately, the, we immediately transition to a scene, um, basically, Marcus returns to the exorcism process, yeah. mm-hmm. and you see Father Tomas standing the room there watching, mm-hmm. um, and he's very confused. He right. doesn't really seem to know why he's there or what he's mm-hmm. seeing, and he's trying to talk to Marcus, but there's no response or reaction. Right. This Instead, is... he's just, you know, interacting with the exorcism, and, like, this boy has got to be, what, like, maybe eight? 
Yeah. And he's a really young boy. He's a child. He's a, he's a child. Um, but the exorcism itself is, like, it's it's already horrifying. Like, he starts spitting his teeth out. Yeah. He spits his <laughs> teeth out. And that's actually, uh, I wrote this down, that mm-hmm. um, Tomas picks up one of the teeth. Yeah. Because um, he can't get a response from either the child or Marcus, so he picks up a tooth. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of... So shocked. He's shocked and horrified and doesn't really understand what's going on. And then he wakes up from the dream. Yeah. Which... Well, I, I would okay. I would say um, it is a dream of sorts. It's really a vision of it's what's vis- going on. Right. It, it, it's a vision, um, but it's definitely framed as, you know, we, we thought this thing was happening, but also Tomas is having this dream vision about it. Yeah. And the timing of it is unclear. Uh, yeah. So... It, it well, it actually. Um, I think as as we go further on in this episode, it becomes clear he's seeing a vision of something that's already happened. Yes, yeah, it does. Um, and then after that, uh, we go back to the Rance family, uh, where Angela is, you know, trying to manage work. She gets told by her work, like, "Hey, you need to focus on your family right now." Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of does that, and as she's kind of in the house, she starts hearing all these strange noises. Yeah. Uh, and she notices that the walls are rattling. Yeah. Um. Just bit generic. I didn't really write anything down for this mm-hmm. part. Um, I just wrote, Angela, hears something. And then I went straight to Casey and Kat, because we finally yeah. meet Kat. Yeah, because Casey comes home, which interrupts all that. And then Casey yeah. goes up to visit her sister, Kat. And, and she says that she saw their mother crying. And mm-hmm. Kat says, you know why are you surprised? Like she wants, she always wants to hoist herself up on her cross so that everyone will pay attention. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of tension between the daughters, especially Kat and Angela, the mother. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Kat, whatever's going on with Kat, she's, she's not in a good place because you know, Casey comes in, but before that, Kat was literally sitting in the dark watching dust motes. Yeah. <laughs> she's not in a good place. I mean, she's mm-hmm. she's clearly, I mean, the, she's recovering from some sort of traumatic accident. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't even want to eat. Like She doesn't want to eat. She's not hungry. She's mm-hmm. very upset. She doesn't really want to talk to her sister. But I do think it's it's a it's a good like establishing moment between it them. Is. You know, they're talking, they're bantering. They are sisters. They feel like sisters. They feel like sisters and Casey you know, it was like, I kind of, she seems a little fed up with the fact that Kat is also, like, moping. And she kind mm-hmm. of was like, sounds familiar? Like, you're talking about our mom being a drama queen, but yet here you are, it's hiding like, up here, not wanting to talk to anyone. Your pity, your pity party is so 14 years old. You yeah. Know, stuff like yeah. that. And so, it's, it's, it's a good establishing scene for them as sisters, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a tickle monster moment yeah, between which is sisters. Cute. It's cute. It's cute. And it, it really got me started and in already being invested in how this family interacts, even though there's clearly a lot of baggage going on. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to Tomas. Uh, he's getting pulled in all sorts of directions because they're restoring the church. They mm-hmm. got a new organ. Uh, people are coming in left and right demanding his attention. I mean, uh, one of the things was is that earlier Angela gave him money for the restoration. Yes, she did. And she noted that her husband needs having a place. It, it's valuable to her husband to have a place to return to that he's familiar with. Yes. Um, so that's kind of also why you kind of think he probably has Alzheimer's or some kind of dementia or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but Father Tomas is in charge of all of this, and he's just 
being hassled everywhere. It's so funny because I think one of those comedic moments of the church, like, you know, the, the organ lady is complaining, like, the repairman blow a circuit and he has to go fix it. But while he's trying to, like, do all these things, like, this other one of the parishioners comes in. One of the, one of the parishioners in. comes in and starts talking. She's like, oh, I just need to confess my sins, do a quick confession. She's like, my cat, you know, my white cat is sick. And he's just like, you know what? He just, like, does the little cross thing in the air. He's like, you're absolved of your sins. Please, 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 please go. Please. And she's like, I'll see you tomorrow. Well, he, she says in, yeah, she says it in Spanish. She's talking in Spanish the whole yeah. time. And he's just like, yeah, he, he's the one who guesses that it's the cats too. I think it was, yeah, I think so. She, it, she, she's clearly come in a hundred times talking yeah. about every little thing. The local crazy cat lady. You know, yeah. The local lady who's basically a hypochondriac is what it is. Yeah. And then, um, so he goes down to, you know, flip the breakers and Angela finds him down there and scares the living shit out of him. Oh, yeah. Angela came in and she wants to talk. She does want to talk and they end up talking in his office. Mm -hmm. Um, she wants to talk in private. Mm -hmm. About Kat. Yeah, yeah. She wants to talk about her daughter Kat, the fact that she's been recovering from this accident. She took time off from... College is what mm-hmm. we hear. She's, a leave. Yeah, she's taken a leave from college because of this accident. And mm-hmm. and Tomas confirms, yes, she broke, like, what, an arm? Mm-hmm. And a somebody, leg, I thought. Uh, something. something. She breaks a limb. And somebody else died. Yeah. Um, a friend. A friend. And I, I feel like Angela is, like, a little, like, yeah, a friend. It's, that'll, <laughs> come up, that'll come up again later, we, mm-hmm. not, not to spoil anything. Um, mm-hmm. But it's very interesting, and Thomas just suggests the most obvious thing was she's depressed. Mm-hmm. She's got a little bit of PTSD. But Angela is adamant that it's not depression. She knows depression, and there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, she, there's things in my home. Yeah. And that's when she starts to kind of get a little cagey, a little bit more reluctant, until finally she comes out that um, she, she, she kind of prefaces, like, you know, I know how this sounds, I'm not crazy. I have, you know, I, I have a job, you know, I have all these employees, but there's a demon in my house. Yeah, she just straight goes for the blood, like, yeah. there. She's it's like, a demon. There's a, it's a demon. It's a demon. There's evil in my house. And Tomas is like, uh, demons aren't real, though? <laughs> it's, it's really funny. He's just kind of like, they, that's not, that's not actually a thing. Yeah, like, Which is funny, things. because I'm not sure, like... I don't know. Is that a thing you can say in Catholicism for real? May I mean maybe because I mean, just just because like you know just is might not be necessarily a party line. I don't know that it's party line, but he definitely makes the emphasis like well, like they're they're talked about the real, but they're metaphors for like addiction yeah. and mental and, and yeah, mental illnesses. Says, um, um, they're an invention of the church. They're metaphors. Yes, that was what caught me. Is that he says it's an invention of the church? Yeah, which. Tomas, that's yeah. Even you if should know as a priest that mm-hmm. you shouldn't be admitting those things. <laughs> you know it's I mean? a little too. We all know it's an invention of the church. We all know you made it up, mm-hmm. but you don't admit that, right? Like that you, undermines your whole point. Yeah, it, it would be more like, listen, like it, it. It's an archaic verbiage that to understand what we yeah. know. You know, so, something a little bit softer is what you would expect. Yeah, but he goes straight for the. It's just a metaphor. Yeah, it's a, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for how we, you know, deal with addiction or all these different things, depression that we or mental illness, or mm-hmm. and you know, 
frankly, that's pretty much true. Right. Right? Is that our folklores and fairy tales and demons and boogie monsters are all reflections of us as a society. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, diagnose things that we didn't know how to diagnose at all medically. Mm -hmm. And so we called them demons. Yeah. And I think in the light of this, you know, Angela really gets the reaction she was expecting. She kind of backs off of the demon thing a little bit. She's Mm -hmm. very insistent, like, I need you to come to the house. You need to come. And Tomas agrees. He's finally, yeah, yeah, I'll come and talk to her. I'll I'll talk to Kat. And as they're wrapping up the meeting, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) A crow just blasts its ass through the window. It's very bloody. Very that bloody. was like probably the one th- jump scare. It was the one jump scare. It was also the, the entire CGI budget for that episode. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. I think it's half of it because they use up the rest later. Oh, and they also used it up um, when the child died. He yeah. had the classic exorcist but head twist. That hasn't come up yet. Oh, You're sorry. Jumping, jumping ahead a little. Um, I, but I yeah, forgot. so this, this crow just fucking blaster. You're just like it, it's the first real big jump scare of the the, the, uh, the series and. It is kind of Ooh, terrifying. It's, it's kind of gross. gross. It's There's gross. blood and glass flying and feathers flying everywhere. It's just yeah. nasty. Yeah. And it gets all over um, his, like, open Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and he's it's, just like, Ugh. Like, he doesn't know how to explain it. He's just like, that's a bad accident. Like, Ugh. Yeah. 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 Um, but then we kind of, you know, retreat to normal. We see him on his commute to the Rances later on. Yeah, um, she invites he, him over to dinner. Right, and he keeps flashing back to the vision he had a little. So he, it's clearly on his mind still. Yeah. Um, but he goes and he talks to Kat in her room. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty normal conversation. I think it's a little weird that she's laying on her bed while talking to a priest. Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. My family would not let that happen, for one. Mm-mm. For two, even our most, like... Like I said, my family lives, like, right in front of a church, and, uh, even the most casual relationships we've had with priests, I've been told to get up out of my PJs, get dressed, and look, you know, clean and appropriate. I remember when you were living there, and you would, we would be, like, talking, and you're just like, yeah, I had to get out of bed early on a Saturday, because the priests decided they were coming over. Yeah, the priests would come over for, like, coffee and I don't know what. Yeah, Whatever we fed them in the morning. Is what it is. Like, like she, conchas and, and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, Mexican sweetbreads. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they, I just remember, because I, I was sleeping on the couch, because um, I was visiting my grandparents, which is where my mom also lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the only place for me, really. There's a million people there. So I'm sleeping on the couch, and they're like, get up, the priest is coming over. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm asleep. I have a yeah. blanket out, and they're like, you need to get up and get out of your pajamas. And I was like, what does it matter if I'm in my pajamas? It's a priest. Right? <laughs> no, it matters a lot. You need to be dressed. You need to look nice and presentable, and you need to be in an upright position. Yeah. Cat does not believe this. Cat does not believe it. Cat's in, like, her spaghetti strap. She's, like, chilling on the bed reading her magazine. She's just like, yeah, I know my mom put you up to this. And it's just a little, you know, she kind of, like, rolls on over. Something. Yeah, what's up? It's, uh, that's how you know she's a white Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> and not yeah. an ethnically white Catholic like the Irish or the Italians. <laughs> um, and she's not Mexican Catholic because there's no way in hell we'd be allowed to do that. <laughs> so disrespectful, quote yeah. unquote. I, and, and, she and, a white girl. That's really what it is. And I know it's funny because she kind of like, while they're talking, you know, she, 
Tomas says something. She, like, rolls towards him on the bed, like, scooches over, and he literally, like, sits back from the bed, stops leaning on the bed, just like, this is really uncomfortable. Yeah, he's not, he's not really into this, like, close quarters kind of thing. He was trying to be nice and sweet and sort of, like, bedside manners, but she gets a little too close, and he's just like, yeah. nope, I, I know how this goes, and I'm staying far away. Yeah, and it's so, he straight up tells her, though, that her mom thinks she, it's She's a demon. Be, yeah. And I was just like, dude... Are you trying to cause familial familial unrest? No, I think he knows um, dealing as a clergy person with a teenager, mm-hmm. if you're not real with a teen or, yeah. like, a child, they know. It's true. Kids have great bullshit detectors. They know when you're just shitting them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're going to know something's up. And, and Kat is just like, you know what this is? It's that I liked my friend's Wiccan craft store on Facebook. Yeah. Basically. And she also says, like, her mom is just looking for something to blame. Besides yeah. God. And, and and Tomas says, like, is that who you blame? And she says, no, I blame myself. Like, uh, that's what grown-ups do, I think, yeah, is what she says. Yeah, that's what you do when you're an adult, is yeah. you blame yourself. Which is so interesting. Like, yeah. that's... Because, you know what, she's got to be, like, 18, 19. She's probably 20 at the most, right? She's I think she's about age. 18. She's, yeah. like, it's her first year of college. Oh, really? Okay. I'm not sure. It's, I don't know. Yeah, she's she's a new adult, you know? Yeah. And so, she's so young that for her to say something like this is, wow, like, what's going on? Again, she has PTSD. Like, she's she PTSD. got in an accident and someone died. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think Tomas is, is on the right track here by just mm-hmm. going straight to the source of, like, something was up. What the, what the something up is, is well known. Everyone knows it. She's clearly got issues. It's um, not a demon. This yeah. is such an obvious, like, straightforward thing for him. Yeah. And it's just kind of talking Angela down from, from this From whatever assumption, this assumption this weird she's assumption got. is. Yeah. yeah. And so, anyway, then he stays for dinner with the whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely tense. You get to see the entire family dynamic at work. Because so far, you've kind of seen everyone... A little bit separately, um, but now we have Henry the dad, Angela the mom, and then the two daughters, Kat and Casey, at dinner with Tomas. And yeah. Kat is, is clearly, like you said, something's she's upset. Something's upset. They're, they're, she's pushing the family um, the, between her accident and her dad's illness. You know, she, No, I think he has, they say that he had an accident. Oh, his own accident. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, whatever his, you know, mental incapacity right now, you know, is. she, she's pushing and, you know, she's not having any of the attempts to, to really engage with him and try and, and have a normal conversation with him. She, she's, she's really frustrated. She's like, you know, he's basically, what was it? Basically like a vegetable a potato or, or a potato or <laughs> mushroom or something. Yeah. Yeah. She gets really snide and you can understand she's frustrated. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know how to take it out. So she just takes it out on her father. Cause that's upsetting. And she doesn't know how to deal with that. Yeah. And she kind of just starts waving her hands in front of his face and she's like, hello, are you even there? Like, that's not dad. Like that's and just he gets some... upset and leaves the, the yeah, table. He's clearly upset. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Tomas, like ever the diplomatic one, starts telling this little story about how this priest was called in to make class rites when someone was in coma. She was brain dead, supposedly. The next day she wakes up and she remembers things that people told her in the room. And he's like, so perhaps maybe that tells us something that people who even, you know, when they're incapacitated are still capable of remembering remembering and understanding and and some part of their brain gets it. Some part of their brain gets it. And he says, so keep your damn hands out of his face. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like, oh, Oh, 
And like, damn. Because like Casey had tried to peacemake before it got so bad. Yeah. But yeah. what Tomas inter- intervention really checks Kat. And like you can see like the impact on, on yeah. all of the women in the family. Honestly, I would be terrified. If a priest told, said, if a Keep priest your cuts, damn hands out of his face. I know. I'd be like, shit. God is going to like smite me. But she, honestly, <laughs> honestly, she doesn't believe. I just yeah. would be... I would feel like I'd done something really offensive. Yeah. It's almost like I was raised with this idea that, like, in general, clergy people have um, this status above regular people that you treat them with extra respect yeah. and whatnot. And I don't think I would have been able to do that as Me a neither. teenager. No. Oh. I might have argued with them theologically. Yeah. Well, that's but that's completely. fair game. Exactly. But but being a rude little asshole, totally different story. No. It, you you got to be on your best behavior. Is yeah. how I was raised, and even to this day, that, that's just who I am. Anyway, <laughs> um, so after that, he leaves after dinner, and he find uh, Tomas finds Henry uh, mm-hmm. sitting kind of in the living room by himself, and you know they actually have a fairly clear conversation. It's yeah. it's like it's like Henry's completely lucid, aware. lucid. Thank you, um, lucid conversation about you know he thanks Tomas for talking with Cat. You know. And, and so forth. And saying something. And they say their goodbyes and Tomas starts to leave. And then um, Henry interrupts with this strange statement. It's just off 41. Yeah. And you know, Tomas is like, what? <laughs> What's off 41? And, and he says, St. Aquinas. What's, what's, Saint, what's that St. Aquinas? Father Marcus. Yeah, and at this point we know that um, Tomas has heard Marcus's name before, so mm-hmm. he's like, Who, "What? What? How do you know about this? Like, yeah. what are you talking about?" And he doesn't respond. He just kind of goes back to a fugue state, and then all of a sudden snaps back, and it's like the entire conversation resets to the, "Oh, you're leaving." Yeah, and so it's, it's just very uncanny. Yeah. Um. And it definitely sticks with Tomas because he goes home and starts trying to Google for Father Tomas and Saint Aquinas. Like no, Father Marcus. And fa- I'm sorry, yeah, fa- Father Marcus. He's trying to Google. Um, and you said you found something out about this. Googling. Yeah. So what, first, what he's, he, first, first he's Googling for Father Tomas exorcism and he can't mm-hmm. find any matches. So then mm-hmm. he just narrows the search or expands the search to exorcism in general. So he's looking at all these different articles. Mm-hmm. And while we were watching, we we're like, oh, where's Georgetown? Um, Kiana, right? No, Georgetown is actually near Washington, D.C. Oh. And it's actually a reference to the Exorcist movie because that oh. took place. It, it, so it's like something about okay. like two dead in Georgetown. So right. Got it, it. It's, it's basically a signpost that we are in the same universe that the original movie happened in. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I've watched the movie. It's just been years. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I, I typed in Georgetown into Google and it showed me Georgetown, Guiana. I was like, <laughs> all right, what's in Guiana? I was I just know. curious. Um, and I'll get to it because I actually found the original script for the pilot. So that's yeah. why it, that's why I was like, let me double check this. And, and I just looked it up and yeah, I happened makes to sense. find it. So uh, that, that's what that was. And he has more dreams about the exorcism. Um, yeah. And this is where, in the process of the exorcism, the demon does manage to break free of its bonds. Uh, while to- Father Tomas is trying to, you know, finish it, um, and it breaks its own neck. Yeah. Which Not is- before giving us the two people 
Yes. Terrifying. Oh my god. So it it shows that when someone is possessed, like their eye does this little roll, one of their eyes will like roll to the side and they have two pupils in one eye. I'm going to call it the two pupil terror. Yeah. It's freaky. I hate it. It grosses me out every time. But it's such a cool, unique, like, Thing. representation. Um, I will say, this show will gross you out. Yeah. I have a definite, um, squick. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, squick is like when you're just like, mm-hmm. Um, I have that about vomiting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a lot, uh, some bodily fluids. I'm, I think I'm a little better than you at some, at a lot of things, but yeah. vomiting I just can't do. No. I don't like watching anyone vomit. I don't like any, watching people barf. So you can imagine how I felt about the first, the, the Exorcist movie. <laughs> um, pea soup, right? <laughs> yeah, I just don't like vomiting. It really grosses me out. The blood stuff is fine. Yeah, it's the blood less doesn't bother a, me. It's less of a reaction. The bugs, eh. I think you get a little more squicked out than I do about that, depending. I, I, it's like if it's coming out of, like, mouths or, or something, like, or getting too yeah, close yeah. to eyes. And then the other thing that grosses me out is if, if, like, the, like, focus on injury, like, if it's too much sound or too graphic, I just, I kind of... start gagging. To, literally. I, I, it's I have so a gross. Really, I'm sorry. I just have this, like, really empathetic reflex to, like, pain being shown. Yeah. So, I... So, here's, little, the, here's the thing, right? We're watching, like, this entire show, and you're response is to like start gagging and my response is to be like i find gagging as the like pre prefix to vomiting and that obsessed me so that obsessed me more than watching the show or like anything in it it's a miracle that we've managed to live this long with each other i don't i i'm just Uh, i'm like oh you could actually vomit like no i've never actually it's i can anyway the point is is you might want to watch some of this behind your hands yeah i understand me too me too but it, it's so worth it in yeah. the end because i think the character drivenness of it just just makes up for the this grossness sometimes uh so anyway father tomas makes it to uh saint aquinas he finds uh in his googling he finds this rich catholic retreat center mm-hmm. um and it's full of like old dudes and monks sort of thing and uh- do you, do you know the context of what this place is? I thought it was, like, a retirement home or, or like... Okay. So, okay. Um, <laughs> tell me now. So, I know you haven't finished watching The Keepers, but I did, and I definitely... It's a Netflix documentary series. Okay. Um, it is about the murder of two nuns, basically, oh, okay, that, that happened thing. in Maryland. I remember that. Right. Um, you watched some of it with me, but I, I finished it. Um, basically... What St. Thomas Aquinas retreat uh, center is, is a place where you put the bad priests. So what happens is usually, um, unfortunately, the Catholic Church has a method, which is not technically an official one that they would ever admit to, but it is what happens. So what happens is if a priest is caught, say, molesting children, what they do first is they might investigate... They might not, or they might just simply relocate that priest. Mm-hmm. And they will just continue, continually relocate that priest. And if it gets to be too much, they'll send this priest to a retreat center mm-hmm. for some therapy. Yeah. For some counseling. For some bettering. Yeah. Right? And this could be... It could also be like an addiction. Yeah. Um, or gambling or something. Yeah. Or embezzlement fund, embezzling mm-hmm. of funds. 
Usually and they try when, to rehabilitate you before, what, excommunicating? Yes. Um, rehabilitate is a very nice word. I don't think that's actually what they're doing. Okay. I think they're washing their hands of the problem. Um, and I think most people, whether current Catholic or ex-Catholic, feel that way. They just shove it. They're, they're, they're sweeping it under they're the sweeping rug. They're sweeping it under the rug. And so yeah. this retreat center is basically a place where you can guess that a good chunk of the priests who are there are actually child molesters or pedophiles. Oh my god, that's terrifying. Yes, so it's not a good place to be, and I (sighs) I think you can tell why Father Marcus is so upset that he's there, because he does not feel he's there for the same reason as everyone else who's there. No. And he's not. No. Um, But I wanted to, like, give that a a bit of context, is that those places really do exist. Yeah. And they really are where the Catholic Church sends their priests who have some problems yeah. that need counseling or guidance. Or, <laughs> or let's just keep you away from the people who could be hurt by you. Well, but see, here's the thing is uh, they'll complete time there and then uh, be like, released and yeah. sent back out into the community. See, like, if it's just a matter of stealing, that's okay. I get that. But God, for the other side, no, they, like they, any kind of sexual assault or, or anything like that, sort of that level, I'm like, no, fuck that. Yeah, no, you, you it, need bad. to go to jail, um, not not retreat. I was, I was uh, uh, the diocese that my family moved to. My my mom and my dad, because um, we moved away from the the church that I've described as being across from my grandparents' house. But that diocese had a massive scandal, and mm. I'm very lucky. My mom decided that we were not going to be super observant yeah. Catholics. That, yeah, it's for the best. But anyway, <laughs> let's get back here because we still have a lot to cover, and we've yeah. been going forever. Um, so. But I think that um, I, I kind of wanted to set that up because mm-hmm. Tomas immediately speaks to a priest who is sitting sort of like on a swing bench. Yeah, yeah. He gets called like over. A bench. Like it ad- yeah. He addresses Tomas first, and Tomas is like, um, you're Tomas talking to is me? Actually, yeah, Tomas is not sure, but also he kind of like waves his hands in front of the guy because he's wearing like very dark sunglasses that look like the kind that if you're, you know, visually you impaired, wear. if, mm-hmm. yeah. You might wear if you're visually impaired. Yeah. Um, but he's like, no, I can see you. Yeah, like, that's your hand. He's like, oh, sorry. Like, I did think. But he he wants to talk for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of, he just, he, he, he knows him. This, this blind, or supposedly, potentially blind man knows who Tomas is. He describes him that, that, you know, he's talked to the bishop about him and that Tomas is known as a rising star in the church. It's a heavy-handed Lucifer reference. (laughs) Which is fascinating, because, yeah, it's such a, like, oh, like, why, what, why would he be used, like, using this Lucifer reference, like, already? Like, Tomas doesn't seem that bad, aside from his, like, weird letters. Well, no, it's, um, Lucifer in the external mythology that Christianity has developed has been the prize angel, yes. you know, the favorite, God's yeah, favored one exactly. that falls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's supposed to be slightly, the, it's he's this on the elevated rise. pedestal that is up there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, ask me about my rant about the fact that Lucifer is not actually a person. It's a planet. It's probably the star of Venus, um, et cetera, et cetera. Lucifer is not the devil or Satan yeah. at all in the Bible. And 
It actually but, is an insult to, like, King Nebuchadnezzar II or something in Babylon. It's really just... I, I personally truly hate any time anyone is like, the devil is Lucifer. I'm like, read your book! Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Uh, the things we could we could talk about, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Um, that was it, just now. That was it, that was it, that was it. Anyway, so he immediately is like, you're kind of like Lucifer, the devil, man. Yeah. Which is a weird thing for another priest to say to you. Except that's not how Tomas takes this. Tomas is kind of... Oh, thank you. I'm, thank I'm you. a rising star. Yeah, and he, he gets this kind of, like, encouragement about, you know, his next steps. And, you know, he, he gets specifically, you know, we should be asking, you know, what our next steps are and ask, what now, God? Yeah. And he says, what now, God? Um, He repeats it. Yeah. Um, I think it, he is a little encouraged. I also think Tomas is aware of where he is and mm-hmm. who who is going to be there. Yeah. That's why I maybe. gave that other context. It's true. Like, so it's a bit strange, but he still finds something in it. Like, but thanks, then he, but, but he's also a little bye. weird. Yeah. He, he's both. He, it's like, okay, maybe this is just something from a strange place that's yeah. still useful. But then he gets distracted because out of the corner of his eye, who does he see but the man from his dreams? Dun, dun, dun. Actually, the, the creepy priest guy who brings up, you're the rising star, and he, like, as Tomas leaves, like, you can see him take off his sunglasses, and he's got the two-pupil terror! Yeah. Um, Freaky fucking eyes. Which, okay, makes sense. He's possessed. He's like a demon man. No wonder he was acting so creepy the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, then he goes... He goes inside the building and follows Marcus, and this music is like... Did you look up... Yeah, I did look it up. I was going to say, I believe it is James Ray's A Miracle. Yeah, he's literally like... The the music as he's approaching Marcus is like, it's a miracle when I met you, blah, blah, blah. You were sent... sent, I was sent an angel. I was like, it's really heavy-handed music. It's very gay, and I love it. I know, right? You're just it's like... very much like, it's literally the music you're supposed to, like, play, like, in a movie when your soulmate shows up. So the fact that this is playing when Tomas and Marcus meet is amazing and wonderful. Thank you so much. There was also music playing, um, Marcus had been playing music when Bennett showed up. Yeah. But it was a completely different song, different tune. Much, much more upbeat. I, I forgot to write down the lyrics to that one. Oh, I don't I didn't look it up, but it, no. it was it was a little more sassy. It was. Which um, I think really describes he has their a, relationship. Listen, he, the reason why you know Marcus and God are like have some kind of connection going on here is because Marcus always knows what music to play for the like theme songs of his life. Yeah. That's true connection. It's funny because it, it just <laughs> You're gonna hate me for saying like it. It reminds me when I used to watch Supernatural because the soundtracks oh. were always so appropriate. No, I, I think Lucifer's so, soundtrack is also that's true. Yeah, super so, on the nose, heavy. It is. I love I love Lucifer's soundtrack. I've never watched Supernatural, so I can't mm-hmm. really speak to that. Yeah, I think. But it, yeah, it's so it's so very genre appropriate for them to yeah. have these like songs that are that are so directly commenting on. They're very on the nose. Yeah. So anyway, um, Marcus's room is fairly sparse, except, you know, completely covered in his drawings on the wall, and he doesn't even really look at Tomas when he comes in. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a cell, basically. Yeah. And so Tomas is trying to have this conversation and be like, hi, uh, are you Father Tomas? Like, Father Marcus. Oh, oh my God, I keep doing this, Father Marcus, and, you know, trying to have this conversation and, you know, Mar- Marcus is just like, mm, why, why did you come to me? And Tomas is basically finally just like, well, I had a dream 
a recurring dream, actually. And About you. That's always been the same, and, and you're in it. <laughs> and as it gets into it, Marcus just straight up doesn't believe, and he starts to react. Oh, yeah. He um he pushes him up against the wall and grabs him by the labels and is like, tell me something that wasn't in the news. Right, because, because Mar- it was publicized. Yeah, Tomas starts to talk about, oh, there was this bit about, you know, a boy in Mexico. In and, Mexico City. In Mexico City. And um, he died. Sorry, he died. And, yeah, Tomas just, like, shoves him up against like Marcus. Oh, my God. Yeah, Marcus just shoves him <laughs> up against the wall. And, you know... I, I, what what ends up doing is like he's like what else is there and and Tomas says that well, there was this nursery rhyme and they start he starts to say it they sing, sing it, it in together. Spanish yeah yeah they sing it in Spanish together it's about the cat with um what is it cotton feet and Some, upside down eyes yeah something yeah. and and that's what that's what makes him believe that he that did see something um and you know we say. It's, it's so gay, but really, like they're like inches from each other. There's, there's some, there's Marcus something is going in on. his face. Yeah, there. <laughs> that's like a. It's it's pretty, and when we say it's gay, we mean that in the like we're very delighted, and uh-huh. that'll keep coming up. So and, we'll talk and, about that and more. And it's relevant. Uh, ben Daniels, the actor who plays uh, Marcus, is gay. Yeah, and. What, what I'll say is he does bring that to the character, and it's on purpose. Yes. So, um... And I love it. I love it, too. Oh, um, pause. Ben Daniels? If you ever listen to this... That's his name, right? Yeah. Ben Daniels. Okay, sorry. I'm, like, so nervous that I'm going to say the wrong thing. But, uh, if you're listening to this, what kind of fanfic do you want to read? <laughs> right? Just, he like, just send us a list. You don't have to tell us it's you. We'll, we'll write it. It's fine. Oh, my God. It's... We say this because we've looked at his Twitter and he's very... He, no, he's, he's openly he's, said he reads fanfic. Oh my god, he has? Yeah, I, I'm pretty I knew, sure. I knew about the fan art. Like, he's re, retweeted Listen, sexy fan art. And I'm just like, better. I'm there for it. I understand. <laughs> if I was that person in that show, I'd be all over that shit. Right. You don't get enough of that in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I would be flattered. So, anyway. Ben Daniels, you let me know what you want, buddy. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Uh, all that to say, <laughs> yes, I agree. And secondly, he does believe Tomas that he yeah. had this dream, but he also says that Tomas is being manipulated by forces yeah. that Tomas does not understand. Yeah. When Tomas leaves, he, like, Marcus is just so, he looks at the cross, um, that I assume he drew. Mm-hmm. In charcoal, it's like a negative space cross mm-hmm. um, in like some sort of charcoal on the wall, mm-hmm. and he's just like, "This is like this is, this, your sign? this is your sign." Like he's so pissed. Yeah, which is interesting because again, that lets you know that he still believes he's in some kind of communication with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, Tomas goes back to the Rances is kind of the next step along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to go talk to Angela, and he has. He, he comes in, they have a drink, and he asks Angela um, if she believes in God, which I thought was such an interesting question. Just, yeah. you, you know, like, she's a regular in the church, she donates, but, like, the first question, he's literally going to just straight up ask her if she believes. It's not the assumption that, yeah. you know, some, uh, someone in his congregation would believe. It's, do you believe? Yeah. And she answers that she likes the idea of God being yeah. there. I, I, 
I want to say that's a very Jewish like scenario to like ask yeah. someone who shows up at your your place of worship. Do you actually believe in something, or are you just here? Like, what's going Culturally. on? Because um, the one of the one of my favorite jokes is is that um, someone Jewish usually like two older men are talking to each other, and he's like. And, you know, they're like, oh, I thought you didn't believe in God. And he's like, oh, I don't believe in God, but I believe in all the people who show up here. So I show up. Like, I don't go here to see God. I go here to see my friends. Yeah. Um, There's also another joke where, like, two rabbis argue, and they both decide at the end of the day that neither of them believe God actually exists. Mm -hmm. And the next day, they both show up to synagogue, and they one of them says to the other, I thought you didn't believe in God. I thought we agreed in this. And the other one says, well, yes, but I'm still, like, I'm still going to be here. Like, Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe we were wrong. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. the actual punchline of that was, but um, they're just like, yeah. so? Yeah. And um, and and I think Tomas really relates to her answer, though, because, you know, he, said he di- differentiates himself from the other priests that he's ex- been around in his life and that he, he says that he never feels like he was called to the priesthood. Yeah. Um, he feels like his grandmother pushed him into it yeah uh that she her dream for him was that he would be the first mexican pope yeah um but then he says that last night it was different and last night he feels like he got his calling and that his calling is to help the rance family yeah um and that that is his purpose that's why he's here and then they hear a yell from upstairs and he goes to check what's going on. Yeah, and they're approaching Cat's room, mm-hmm. you know, going down this long, dark hallway to Cat's room, and then there's this bang, and the attic ladder falls from the ceiling. Yeah. Um, and Tomas goes up to investigate. Don't go into the attic. Yeah, don't go into the attic. Like, I, Come on, you're guys. Not, you're not genre savvy at all, buddy. <laughs> don't go into the dark woods. Fuck the attic. Fuck don't the go basement. Into the basement. <laughs> How like, dare you? Don't go into the graveyard. Oh, my God. There's only going to be bad things in there. If there's a crypt with the door open, don't go in. Right? Like, oh, the house has a reputation for being haunted? Stay the fuck out! Keep your ass on the sidewalk. What's wrong with you people? Don't oh buy that house. I don't care how cheap it is. No. It, I'm sure you can buy something from someone whose house got put up, mm-hmm. you know, on auction. It's fine. Just don't yeah. pick the one where someone was murdered at. Yeah common sense yeah yeah and so he goes up and he's you know Catherine is is cat up here and he He sees a rat he sees a rat he well first he trips and then he's the rat and then the rat just starts levitating levitate and And it's it's scampering and it's back cracks yeah and this hand just comes out of the darkness and grabs the rat and snatches it away yeah terrifying it's and then there's a figure, and it's not Cat. Yeah, we're actually, I think we were both surprised on the rewatch that we find out this early. It's not Cat. It's Casey. Yeah, Casey's standing. Daughter. Yeah, Casey, the younger daughter, is standing in her, like, little white nightgown. Mm-hmm. And her eyes are, like, that very Creepy. genre typical blacked out, like, yeah. pupils all the way blown. Yeah. Um, and she starts to attack 
Tomas. Like, she, like, literally pins him down. There's some, like, horrifying, um, strobe light kind of bullshit going on. And, like, and her, like, scampering and defying scampering. Like, it's just... I mean, you could do... It's, like, yeah, the she floats. No, she's, like, floats Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's, like, literally trying to kill. Like, I think he manages to kick her off. And that's when Angela turns on the light. And Casey's not creepy anymore. Well, she's just sweetly standing there, which is actually just as creepy in my home Right, opinion. yeah, she's just like, oh, yeah, Father Tomas killed a rat. With, he whacked it with a book. Isn't that gory? Mom, we should probably get some mouse traps. Yeah, she's like, we should get some traps. Isn't it, they say mm-hmm. that, like, if there's one, there's gonna be a whole lot more. Yeah, and she like, says, looking directly at Tomas, and you're like, oh, foreshadowing <laughs> there gonna be a lot of demons up in this house yup so anyway um it's creepy and that is when the exorcist theme song starts playing yeah yeah and you know Tomas leaves and mm-hmm. as he's leaving Casey is watching creepily from the window and he's walking home and it's interspersed with father uh, Marcus packing up his bags yeah and he's putting on his things and getting ready to go out yeah. He puts on a hat, doesn't he? Yeah, he puts on his hat. His, like, weirdly, f- like, wide-brimmed hat. I'm one of the few men, I feel like, who can pull off what basically looked like a fedora. It wasn't quite a fedora. It, it wasn't like quite a-, a fedora. It was, like, one of those black, wide-brimmed hat kind of things. It's very priestly. It is very priestly. He pulls yeah. it off. Yeah. It works for him. Yeah. But, anyway, and that's where the episode ends, which... Yeah. It's such a good first episode. It like, really is. In retrospect, I'm like, this is a really well put together story. And knowing what happens later, like, it feels like such an appropriate introduction. Like, it, it, it's laying out all the themes, it's laying out all the characters in a believable way. And I'm into it. And it's, like, so cool, too, because you're like, okay, Angela? Like, she just went straight to demons, but she was right. Holy shit. What's up with Angela? Right. We're gonna find that out. We're gonna find that out. Um, anyway. There's a lot of... I just, uh, I think both of us, we really love the meatiness of the family and the dynamics between Mm -hmm. them, and it'll keep getting expanded upon and keep getting expanded upon, and that's what's so fantastic. This is so Mm character-driven. But also the fact that Marcus and Tomas are very interesting. They have a lot of tension. Deep characters, lots of tension. And not not just, like, joking in the background. Yeah, like, I'm not just making, like, ha-ha, they're, like, it it feels gay. But, like, even beyond that, like, they, they have from this part, like, a, a on-screen, like, chemistry where you know that you're going to care about how these two priests interact with each other. Yeah. Um, especially absolutely. with, you know, this experienced exorcist who doesn't always play by the official rules, and this guy who's now, you know, invested in his congregation, now being thrown headfirst into exorcism yeah. and d- demonic presences, they which he didn't, he didn't even believe, believe in. in. Yeah. Yeah, and so that sort of, like, the knowing and the beginner um, and the potential mentorship that could arise from that yeah. is... It's fascinating. It's it's so and genre, also, like, it's such a genre thing, and it, it I love it how it's set up. Yeah. I, I think we also get, we get Father Bennett, and he's amazing, too. Right? He, he, he only had not, one scene, but... He only ha- yeah, he only has one scene, but his scene is 
so well acted, and you're just, yes. like, hooked. Yeah. And thankfully, he shows up again later in the season. He does. And it's funny, because I actually managed to find a copy of the original pilot script. Yeah. Uh, prior to its adaptation for screen. Uh, I, I'm going to jump ahead, like, because Bennett's introduction just cracks me up. Bennett is described, okay, so, like, you know, he arrives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bennett climbs out of the vehicle, a liaison for the Vatican. Black British, elegant and handsome. Also, kind of a dick. <laughs> That's literally his intro. It's literally his intro, and the fact that I don't know the name of his actor because I didn't look it up. Oh my god! But I um, the fact that Father Bennett's actor mm-hmm. managed to literally play every single bit of that so spectacularly in like one single scene mm-hmm. is I I don't know. Give that man some kind of reward. That was amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, okay. His first name is Kurt, and mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of butcher this. I think it's Ajayawan? We're going to look that up. Yeah, Kurt Ajayawan is what I think it is. Okay. I, I will find an interview before next time to make sure that I'm we pronouncing say it, it right. correctly. Yeah. Okay. We try, usually, <laughs> yeah. when we research. Yeah, I, I didn't think to do it. But yeah, there mm-hmm. were a couple changes. I, I think mostly the story was the same. They did a couple changes, like originally Mexico City at... Mexico City was someplace in Ethiopia. Um, I, I'm going to tell you why I think they changed it to Mexico City. No, or, um, because Tomas is from Mexico. Yes. I think there's supposed to be some kind of connection that something happened in Mexico City that he personally, I think he maybe says he was raised there. Yeah. Specifically. He that, oh, okay. Um, yeah. I know he says he was, he grew up in Mexico. I don't know if he says he yeah. was in Mexico he City, He said that but... he, like, because, because the story originally is set in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and he said that he was born in Chicago. Yeah. Um, his sister his... stayed there after their parents died, but he went to Mexico and lived with his abuelita. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, but originally Chicago was Cincinnati. Uh, Catherine's original name was Charlotte. So mm. it's Charlotte and Casey. Okay. Um, there were originally some flashbacks to sexy encounters with Jess, who sends the letters. Jessica Ran- Ran- Rankin? No. Jessica Ridmark. Ridmark. Yeah, eh, so... Unnecessary. Unneeded. I, I don't think it's necessary. I, me too. Um, so, and then there was also a bit, like, with Tomas's visions, like, the demons saw him in the, like, there and acknowledged his presence. Yeah. Was also a thing that happened, and they were just so. I don't think there was really anything lost in that. No, um, there was a like a type of where I where it was a scene with Tomas and somebody else, but the name for Tomas was actually Elliot. <laughs> wow, I'm really glad they changed that. Yeah, I'm really glad we got a Tomas and not an Elliot because I think that. I, first of all, I just I just love his actor. I, yeah. I, I, I just he's a great love, actor. He's a great actor. He was interesting on Sensei. I didn't watch too much of that show, but he was good there. Sensei. Oh yeah, Sensei. He was the boyfriend of the actor guy. Huh. I think. Okay. Yeah. To know. He's he's played a. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. Oh yeah, I don't think I ever yeah. watched him, but I remember. I watched a couple episodes. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, um, and let's see what else here. I think one of the, the only really major difference was that Angela was originally having dreams about the demon in her house. Mm. And then specifically, like, she would hear sounds, she would walk into Charlotte slash Kat's room, mm-hmm. um, and there would be a figure, um, over, uh, Kat or Charlotte, um, 
eating her. Like, literally, like, covered in, like, the gristle and in her innards. Ooh. And then, like, it would turn around when it sensed Angela and attack Angela, and then she'd wake up. Um, that so, would have been kind of interesting. It would have been kind of interesting. Um, Take it we'll get bit. into it later, but I think it would have been a little heavy-handed. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I like the, the unsureness, in, anyway, that she has in, in this current version. And also that Angela was more explicitly drinking a lot more alcohol mm-hmm. all the time, so she definitely has some sort of an alcohol problem to deal oh, with the yeah. stressor. Which I you get the hints of it, but it was a lot more apparent in the script. Yeah. Um, and then I think that, oh, and the other major change was that the confrontation at the retreat between Marcus and Tomas involved that gun. Um, there was nice. there was a lot less proximity. Like he would literally threw Tomas to the floor and held him at gunpoint during the oh. interrogation instead of being like up against the wall. Like no, I I, <laughs> I want them. I'm glad they kept the up against the wall thing. That was more interesting to me. <laughs> yes. Um, other than that, there, but like with the um, thing where the dubiously blind guy and Tomas. It was definitely meant to be explicitly preying on uh, Tomas's va- vanity and arrogance and a need to be special. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And then also Marcus, at the end of the episode as he was leaving, saw that guy and recognized him for what he was but wasn't able to catch him. Yeah. So those were kind of the major differences. I don't think we've lost anything really with the changes. I think we only gained. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah. I I didn't read the pilot script at all because I figured you were going to do it, and I was mm-hmm. like, "That's work." Yeah, no, I, I did all the work for the other thing, so now you get to do the work <laughs> for this one. I occasionally do work; it's true. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so that wraps up episode one, and season one season of The one. Exorcist mm-hmm. on Fox. Um, please it, watch this show. It airs live um, every Friday at uh, ten nine central, I think. I don't know. We don't know. We watch on Hulu. Right? Okay, so I bought a, like, digital uh, antenna for my TV. It doesn't get Fox. The, the only channel it does not get in my local area is Fox. And I'm not paying for cable, so I watch it on Hulu. Yeah. So, if you don't... Hey, Fox, please count your viewers on Hulu. Please. Bare minimum. <laughs> like, guys, I don't understand. You clearly, like, sell your TV shows to, like, Hulu and Netflix, mm-hmm. and then you don't count the viewership on there? Really? They don't do that? I thought they did. I don't think they do. I don't Fox think it's counted. I don't think it's weighted the same as Nielsen ratings. <sighs> I know they do it, like... I have they- a friend who could give me a rant and a half about this. She knows yeah. way more than I do, but I don't think they count the same as Nielsen ratings on an actual TV. Get with the times of 2017 and... I don't want to fucking pay for cable. Yeah. That's it. Straight up. Straight up. I and don't pay for uh, cable. either that or upgrade your, um, whatchamacallums, antennas in my region, please. Yeah, that too. But that, that wouldn't count us as the Nielsen no, viewing. That's true. You would have to have a box and you just get selected at random. Okay. That well, is anyway. the stupidest thing on the planet. I don't know if you know anything about that, but it's dumb. It is dumb. But anyway. anyway. <laughs> um, this is a lot of fun. I'm definitely glad we did this. And I'm so pumped. Um, yeah. If you want to catch up on The Exorcist, because we're now airing season two, but we're starting this podcast on season one, just mm-hmm. for continuity's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, watch on Hulu. It's on there. Yeah. Watch it. Season it's one and two in full are on right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. You'll be able to catch up right now. December 2017. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think we have a sign-off for this. No, we don't. We'll work on that. Keep yourself not possessed. Yeah, don't, don't go into the attic. Don't go into the attic.